everyone. Welcome to this month's segment of our Mental Health Moments. So glad you could take the time to be with us today. It is already September. Summer is passing us by, unfortunately. So we are back to school, back to work, all that fun stuff that September brings. I saw a couple red leaves the other day on my walk. So fall, fall is truly here. So um, again, we always have our behavioral health therapist, Charles Latour with us. Charles, how are you? Great, how are you doing, Linda? Doing good, and uh, kudos to Charles for hosting last month. He had that great segment um, on back to school, anxiety and transitioning. And so if you didn't get a chance to see that segment, go ahead and look that up. You can find that on our podcast, on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. But for today's segment, we have a very special guest. Uh, we have with us Angelina Tracy. Angelina is an educator, and she is an owner of a company called Beyond ABC, and that's a developmental wellness company that helps children and parents build a child development uh, tool chest of skills and ability that's going to help them make their way through our very quickly changing world. So, Angelina, welcome to you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here with you all today. Yeah. So, Charles, I want to start out with you, and I know the topic um, of today, we're really going to dive into some of these core strengths um, that both of you have discovered in a book called Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. So, Charles, if you want to kind of frame that up, what our discussion is going to look like today, I'll let you do that. Yeah, I mean, I read this book and I really, really enjoyed it. Angeline and I talked about it and she felt very similarly, perhaps uh, probably even more excited about it than I did. I was approaching it through a, a clinical lens primarily. She was approaching it through an academic lens primarily. And I think some of what we get to talk about today is to be able to actually um, highlight some of our perspectives, but primarily having Angelina have the opportunity to talk more about the core strengths. So the book is called Thrivers. This is what it looks like, if anybody can see that. I hope the subtitle to it is The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. The author is Michelle Borba. And again, Angelina, who I know is an avid reader understates it. She is an incredible, um, just in the literary world, reads a lot of everything, but in particular, a lot about child development and uh, for obvious reasons of the work that she does, but also she's a mother of two herself. And um, she could talk a little bit more about that when she gets started. But really the whole thing about thrivers is this concept of this old Aristotle theory, which is an education that only educates the mind and not the heart is really no education at all. And we are in an era in which we are so much focused on the academic. Uh, I know parents teaching their kids to count still in utero, so forth. Uh, learning, you know, going to sleep to Bach and Beethoven, so many different things. And there was one great quote in this that I really gravitated to. 
And is that one of the, the kids that uh, she interviewed for this qualitative research had said, we are learning more than ever how to be products that take tests, but not really learning how to be human beings. And yeah, for all the kids that I see that everything seems to be about ACT scores, SAT, getting into the college of your choice, the whole college admission scandal is basically all about this whole dynamic of we have such a focus on academics and not as much a, a focus on the people who are engaged in that. And this Thrivers book is all about looking at character, not just quality of test scores. So it's about helping people learn, develop, character and character strengths rather than just have kids taking tests and doing great. So I want to say one other thing before I turn it over to Angelina, but one of the things that I really loved about it, uh, the author, Michelle Borba, I heard her talking and she had interviewed this incredibly awesome, I think maybe 17 year old teenage girl. 4.0, 4.3, nothing ever under 4.0, great athlete, working hard every day, schedule completely booked, fatigued all the time, and just, but doing great in every seeming way, right? But then when she went to reach back out to this particular teenager, she talked to the mom and the mom had said, oh, she's in the hospital. And Michelle had asked like, what happened? And the mother said, you know, I'm not really sure, but she just kind of crashed and burned. She ran out of gas doing what she was doing. And the mother said, I guess I really learned something, which was, I was doing everything I could to help her achieve everything that she was doing. But what I learned from this is I really never helped her enjoy anything that she was doing. And to me, one of the amazing things about this, this book is it's taking a look at what's important to us as people, not just what's important to us in terms of our scores, our numbers, because we are not our SAT score. We are not our ACT score. We are not our mile time in high school. We are not the number of rebounds we got or the points we had. We are people first. And I think this book really helps take us back to the people component of who we are and teaches some incredibly great core strengths that are teachable. And Angelina is going to be able to go through those seven core strengths, and we'll talk about the intersection of academics and mental health as we go through it. So with that, Angelina, why don't we turn it over to you, even if you want to do a little mini bio before you go into the seven core strengths, it'd be great. Again, I'm Angelina Tracy. I'm happy to be here. And a little bit about my background is I left Green Bay to go study at the University of Texas in education specifically, wanting to focus on middle school. So after college, I went to a school in Chicago and I taught eighth grade for several years, which um, the middle school age has a special place in my heart. So reading this book really um, 
made me think about a lot of the students that I had. Uh, while I was in Chicago and teaching, I got my master's as a reading specialist, which is just another way of exploring the world of literature that I've always loved. And now I'm back here in Green Bay, and I started an education business called Beyond ABC. I work with the opposite age group. I work with infants starting as early as six weeks old, and that is in developmental wellness. So one of the things that we do is the play wisely method, but it's really about how to optimize a child's development and in more ways than just expanding their uh, knowledge. It's more about their wellness overall. So I'm happy to be doing that. And um, like Charles said, I am a avid reader. I read all the time different parenting books, education books, and I was excited to read Thrivers by Dr. Michelle Borba, primarily because I felt like she encompassed a lot of the things that I read into one book. And I love that these seven strengths are teachable. It does not matter where somebody is coming from, how they're born into this world. Everybody has the potential to learn these strengths and they're teachable. So this book is really for anybody that's working with children, with teens, and it's even for adults. I found myself reading it and changing in ways for myself that, that I loved. And so this is for anybody and everybody, but again, very much a book for those that work with children, so teachers, uh, pediatrician, so anybody in the healthcare world, um, those that are parents would find extreme benefits from reading this book and walk away with a lot of strategies, which we'll share some of those with you in a little bit. So really, what is a thriver? Uh, Dr. Borba talks about how children and teens specifically this in age are thrivers. We are creating strivers and not thrivers. So thriving is somebody that has character. And these seven characters are self-confidence, we're working with empathy, self-control, integrity, optimism, and uh, curiosity. And so they are broken down, what she breaks, categorizes them into three main ways. We are focusing on how to create a nurturing heart, develop a strong mind, and cultivate a determined will. So first of all, nurturing heart. The most important strength that we are gonna focus on is self-confidence. That is really the foundation to a strong character development. And this is where a person has really strong identity of who they are, they're self-aware, they know their strengths and their weaknesses. And they use that to help build purpose and meaning in their life. So the ultimate goal for children is to realize that your strengths can be improved through effort and practice. So if you wanna think about the growth mindset, this is somebody that believes in themselves through their effort and not just the end goal. And the, the way we can do that often is by how we phrase certain things. Instead of putting an emphasis on the reward or the end result, we can focus on the effort. So. Your writing is wonderful because you put so much time into that last night, things like that. Self-confidence then connects to empathy, which is again about nurturing our heart in terms of character. So empathy is teachable, which I love, and at any age. Empathy is really understanding and sharing another's feelings. 
you are able to relate to another person. This helps a person act compassionately and nurture a healthy relationship. Um, also focuses on how to be working with equity and social justice. Social justice. So the way to help with empathy is really to model it, to surround a child with people that can model empathy is the most effective way to teach empathy. Empathy is like a muscle. The more you use it or practice it, the stronger it becomes. And so this is to provide different opportunities for children to witness empathy. Um, and one of the ways I love to do it is simply to read books that have empathy involved in the literature. And this is also to, again, figure out what is influencing a child. What kinds of things are they seeing um, on their screen? Are they, what kind of friendships are they having? Who, who is around them is really gonna be impactful in how to teach empathy. Another thing I like to do is to focus on labeling emotions. We hear that from working with little children all the way up to adults, like Brené Brown would refer to this often, but to label the emotion. And so then that way, somebody has this strong empathetic vocabulary that they can use and help to explain how they feel, how somebody else might feel. And that can be done again, labeling emotions and then asking, well, how do you think that person feels based on the way they look? So empathy, again, very important and teachable. Oh, yes, thank you, the, the PDF. I can, I can pull this up as well. Let me screen share with you all of the different seven uh, characteristics so you can see while I talk about them. It's already on, on it. On there? Okay. Yeah. There you go. You have it? Oh, there we go. Great. Wonderful. This will be helpful. So again, those self-confidence and empathy factors were for focusing on nurturing this caring heart. Uh, next, I'm going to talk about developing a strong mind. So this is going to focus on self-control, integrity, and curiosity. And self-control is the, what I would say, and what Dr. Michelle Borba would say, and I would agree, is the top child raising priority to manage stress and strong emotions and to practice delaying gratification is really going to help a person have self-control, which will affect them in every aspect of their life. It's one of the most highly correlated strengths to success, far more than IQ or SAT scores. If somebody has a strong sense of self-control, then they are truly going to be thriving in the world. And much like self-confidence and empathy, self-control is a muscle. It's some like a muscle where the more you practice self-control, the more that it will be strong and affect a, a young child all the way up to an adult. And um, I'll be giving some strategies of how to practice self-control here in a few minutes. Next is integrity. This I think of as moral and ethics. So valuing and adhering to strong moral code and values helps with ethical thinking and leading an honest and good life. And I know that this is probably going to be really important more for the teen age versus a toddler, but it's again something that is some you, you can start talking about these values at such a young age. And this is going to be again who is influencing the child. 
is are their parents, their community, their teachers showing them how to live a good moral and valuable life? It's important to explain why things matter. Um, this is the way our family is because X, Y, Z. It's really important, especially for little ones, even toddlers, to explain why it is you're doing what it is or why does you value a certain uh, virtue in your life. I like to think of creating a family motto and that it can be that we find the good in all things. We find the joy in all situations or we look for the good in every person and we are kind. So to create a little motto is one way to really help uh, hone in that integrity and strong values for, for your family. Curiosity, I really like this one. I used to be intimidated by the word curiosity or creativity. And I like the way that Dr. Michelle Borg uh, talks about it because it's really just having an open mind, an open mind to new experiences and thinking, uh, being willing to try new ideas, take risks to learn, uh, be innovative and expand your creative horizons. Uh, we need people that are innovative and brainstorm solutions, and we can do that at any age. Curiosity is something that can be taught, but it's mostly unlearned. What I mean by that is children are very, very curious. And sometimes that can be maybe not at the most ideal times where we want to answer all their questions, but children are curious. And we, as they get older, society tends to unlearn that or unteach that or unvalue that. And so we really want to make sure that children are exposed to choice and options and being willing to not be rewarded for everything that they do. It is something that we want to help drive a child's passion um, and feel intrinsically motivated to do something. And so again, being innovative with options for your child or teen and um, really keeping that open mind for them is going to help continue that curiosity as they get older throughout their life. The last part of the concept of a thriving person is really to cultivate a determined will. So this is perseverance and optimism. Perseverance is really this drive to have grit and to keep going and to not give up. This is going to be really helpful for people, uh, for really everybody, but helpful for those who are having a hard time uh, handling a setback, even if that's in a small way. Perseverance is really going to help um, continue their perspective of how to keep going. And so we can do that by breaking things down into small pieces that are very attainable, and you can adjust that kind of concept to any age, whether it's homework. Well, let's just do this one part at a time, and then using that Phrasing of effort instead of the end result will help to build that perseverance for each person. And then optimism. I love this one. I think to have a hopeful child is one of the best ways that they will thrive in the world. It to have hope means that you and optimism, you will be able to see things through and not get too stuck on the negativity and the pessimistic. 
external weights, but also the external weights. So optimism can be taught because it's really how you um, surround a child with what they see. Most importantly, what's on a child's screen? And we can do this as an adult. Maybe it's not watching the news for a while. Maybe it's um, only, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are going to be uh, also have an optimistic point of view. Um, who are their friends? Um, what is their environment like outside of school? Is it is all of these different um, ways of having input for a person is going to affect their optimist optimistic part of um, point of view? And so, really, these seven uh, strengths again are very teachable. And Dr. Michelle Borba in the book goes through numerous different strategies for each one of these um, descriptions. She includes many personal experiences from the, the, the teams that she interviewed um, that talk about why these matter and how that they can help uh, us all succeed. Well, thank you for going through that, Angelina. Um, so many insights through all of that, and and I love you know. Remember, this can really apply to anyone. I mean, we all we all can use some reminders and some help in terms of these characteristics. And I love when you said how to be human beings. You know, just not about test scores and and ACTs and all those things, but really um, teaching everyone. These, these life skills, these things that are going to be transferable no matter where life takes them. So um, I think I'd like to hear a little bit more of maybe some stories, maybe some examples, like how, how do people learn these skills better, whether it be a child or an adult? What, what does that look like? You want to go into that first, Angelina, or you want me to comment? Well, if you want to explain a little bit about the your background on it, I can easily give some examples as well and then some strategies. Yeah, to, cool. To so, first of all, thank you so much for that. I mean, those seven things, every time I go through them, they just, I, I just think of more examples and why those things are so important. One of the things that may, really makes it important to me, as I said before, from a clinical standpoint, it's amazing that these things are, I find them going away. I find so much of this. Uh, for example, empathy, um, I was, after I read the book, I watched a couple of her videos and one of them, she had talked about this concept of selfie generation. And if you really think of what that is, that's selfie. That's I'm more thinking about me than I am you. There's little we, it's all me, right? That there's so much of that. And as a result, we pay less attention to other people. There's commercials I see all the time of people just looking at a phone. We have, you know, I, I know a couple different car makers even highlight the backup skills of a car that it won't hit the person who's looking at their phone rather than what's going on around them. So these skills broaden us. These skills make us stronger as people, better as people. And in my opinion, empathy is the gateway to being a better person. Empathy is the gateway to being our best selves. And the things about what she talks about in empathy or the book are amazing. So I just think there's so much ripe information in there. But the other thing to me clinically that jumps out the most 
is the self-control that Angelina was talking about, emotionally being self-regulated. So this isn't only the gateway to being better people, this is a gateway to emotional intelligence. When we are raising people with these seven skills, teachable skills in mind, we are entering the gateway into the world of emotional intelligence. Angelina made a great point, which is most of this ACT, SAT, best school and everything else, it's great. I am not saying it's not important, but emotional intelligence matters as much to overall success. I was at a conference a few years ago with Daniel Goleman, who basically wrote the original book on emotional intelligence, titled Emotional Intelligence. And he, he asked this room of like 400 people, how many knew a valedictorian who was a CEO? And it's very rare. In this room, no one raised their hand, over 400 people. And he talks about it in the sense that intelligence and SAT scores are entry levels into the world of um, you know, our career, our career world. But who we are and how we manage ourselves once we get in the door is as important as SAT scores and so forth, even in the college world. It's, it's, it predicts getting in, but it doesn't predict exactly how well you would do. There's one other thing I have to say before we go into this, but the self-control that Angelina had referenced. There is this study that was done. It's probably at least 40 to 50 years old by now. And it's, it never gets old though, because of what it continues to circle around and teach us day in and day out. And that's self-control. The test is called this, the marshmallow test. It was done by a professor at Stanford, put kids in a room one after another and put marshmallows on a table. And the kids were told, if you don't eat them, we'll give you more. But if you do, that's all you get. And they, they filmed these kids one after another, after another, after another, and the kids who were able to self-control, not eat them, versus the kids who did eat them, they studied these findings for the next 40, 50 years. They tracked these kids over time. And the kids who had the perseverance, the stick-to-itiveness to not eat the marshmallows, every basic marker of life success their ability to delay gratification was higher than the kids who just ate the marshmallow. So these are indicators of not only being great people, right? They're indicators of success. So they tell us more that life isn't about just the scores that we get, the numbers we get, but our ability to self-manage is also going to help us through every life event that we have. And these skills aren't just skills for success, they're skills for life. So that's, those are some of the things I really love about what Angelina was sharing, in particular, how it all relates to building empathy, building perseverance, building grit, and having the most functional, effective level of emotional and behavioral self-management, self-control that we can have. So 
Great, great stuff. The last thing I want to say is from a clinical standpoint, this is basically what it all comes down to. Whatever we're dealing with in life, the ability to self-regulate rather than be dysregulated, how we best manage that is one of our best tools to get through the adversities that life inevitably, inevitably bring us. So, so thank you for that, Angelina. So yeah, I'll turn it back over to you to talk more about the educational component. Sure, absolutely. Um, I share, three are really one of the, the most critical of what she um, thinks of the children, character, and thriving in the world. So in regards to self-control, that is something as simple as being able to use that word with people for example, um, I'm a mother of two and I have a five and a three-year-old and I've been using the actual words of self-control. You were given a gift to have self-control. This is what self-control looks like. Um, I've been, you know, describing that and explaining that for a few years now. And even last night, uh, she started kindergarten and so she's a little overtired and she was overly emotional. And when we went to bed, she said, when I'm tired and I, I, I don't have self-control. I have no self-control. And so the fact that I helped her provide her with even just that wording is um, really important. And so hopefully that carries on with her throughout her life. Um, but I want to reference a really easy way of how to build self-control and that's through mindfulness. When, when we can focus on intentionally paying attention to the present moment without judgment, that is one way we can best get to know ourselves. Um, and that's even on a physical level. Is my heart beating faster? Um, what's my breathing pattern? Um, what, what's a trigger for me? And so to have a mindfulness practice at any age is gonna be one of the best ways to have that self-control. And so, one of the things I like to share with little ones as early as 18 months old um, up into adulthood is what I call like the five, the hand breathing techniques. If you wanna all do it with me too, um, it's going to help us give five breaths and regulate our body, but also get more focused on what we're doing. And it's really simple and you can use it at any time as, as often as you can. And it's just one way of being in tune with yourself and that can really help with that self-control. So you just put your hand out and you're gonna take five breaths, go. Very simple technique. You can also do it with gratitude. So thinking of five things that you're grateful for. Um, but it's some, again, mindfulness and a meditation practice at any age is gonna be one of the, the best strategies to help build that self-control. And I see it from toddlers right now, it's helping and for parents, it's helping um, very much so to just give yourself a micro minute to be mindful and meditate. And I certainly saw it when I was working with middle schoolers a few years ago. Another one that is a little strategy and and a personal story I love is about self-confidence. And this has to do with having that growth mindset. And so that is to put effort, um, put the praise on an effort, not the talent. And so when somebody is struggling with something, praise the effort, even if it's the smallest thing, you wanna 
use that language of focusing on the effort versus the outcome, and then to not feel like you have to have a reward for something. That's going to help a child feel self-confidence uh, with, within themselves. And um, a, one way to do that is to share affirmations. And so maybe you come up with affirmations for yourself, or you come up with them for a child, or have the, the person come up with them for themselves. Um, I do this where with, with my own children and with the children that I work with at Beyond ABC, some of those affirmations are, I'm proud of myself. And I'll usually have a, a hand gesture to go with it so they remember it. I'm proud of myself. And it's really sweet to see a little baby do that, a little one-year-old to do that or two-year-old. Um, another one is to say, I'm kind. I'm a problem solver. I am a helper. I, I like to, um, I'm a, a cook. So that's one example. I was having my three-year-old share some affirmations like how do you what do you how do you feel about yourself and he goes i'm a shepherd i'm a shepherd i'm a chef so even though um it could be something about life like i'm kind or i'm a good helper or it could be an identity identity piece you know i'm a painter i'm a writer um affirmations really are the simplest way to help build that self-confidence and the third uh strength that i loved probably one of the uh the most is optimism. And maybe that's because I feel like I, I had a strong role model for optimism in my own life, um, but to build a health, healthy motto and perspective on life is one way to continue that optimistic perspective. And uh, the motto or a, a mantra, the power of words is really the strategy I wanted to share with you for that. And that could be um, a family motto, that could be a personal motto or mantra that you have. It could change. It could be uh, three words that you focus on. I'd like to think of three words I focus on for the whole year versus New Year's resolutions. And to keep it simple is one way of going back to it all the time to stay optimistic. And one phrase could be, this too shall pass. Or I see the good in all things. And so hopefully those three different strategies, the mindfulness technique, whatever that looks like for you, the power of affirmations and really the power of words or a mantra is a one way hopefully you can leave here today affecting your own life or a child's life. Okay, that is too great. I got to say a couple of things on some of those things. Absolutely amazing. But the I want to say a few things about the perseverance. Uh, one of the things that I love that she talked about was Perseverance, teaching kids to work through and struggle through and enjoy the struggle, be happy with the struggle. That I'm happy that I did it and stuck to it. And I did it because I was happy to meet a challenge rather than get a gold star. Mm -hmm. Is the ability to praise effort rather than result gets us away from the gold star. You need it's I'm not doing that to me, that's one of the essence of the strivers versus thrivers. It isn't to get the gold star, it's for the intrinsic meaning. We're affecting emotionality and character from the inside out rather than the outside in. So to me, that is what's so critical. It isn't about getting the gold star. It's about how hard you were willing to put in the effort. That is so great. So the other thing that I love is um, the, the kindness and what kind of people we are and we're raising. She talks about this concept of uh, 
we're so focused on so many things. I've never seen a bumper sticker, proud parent of a kind child, right? But wouldn't it be great if we did? I mean, empathy, you know, she uses this quote, when empathy wanes, so does humanity. I mean, there's so much in what empathy has in store for us. And over the last three years alone, we've had a 40% decrease in what we've done in studying empathy. And we've had a 58% increase in, in narcissism. So we're trending in the wrong direction. We want more empathy because that's what the, the environment that we're in is all about. We have to overcome the selfie generation and that's the best instrument for our future. But the other thing that I have to comment on that I loved what you were saying is the mindset part, the negative and versus optimism. And the show all the qualitative work that she did the kids that she interviewed, it was so difficult to go to optimism because they were saying like, how could we be optimistic when going to school? We never know if we're gonna get shot. When every day we're doing this drill of how to avoid school shootings. When each day this happens or that happens. And I wanna read you a specific quote. And I'm choosing this quote with some degree of the, the title of it is Why We Should Worry. There's an amazing amount of depression and anxiety. 70% of my friends are in therapy, 40% are on medication. We're hurting, but nobody does anything until another kid is suicidal. Kid was from Green Bay, 15 years old at the time. Can we do better? Do we have to do better? I think we do. I think we have to. I think we can. I think we have to. The way the statistics are going, even if we just look at mental health, the unprecedented rises in treatment, the unprecedented rise in suicide, the suicide rate of preteens, which was previous to social media, was never even recorded, basically. Teenage suicide over 100% and some statistics that we see rise. All of these things are areas in which we could get better at. We have to get better at it. First, I think we have to even do a temperature check of ourselves, how much we're living these things, and then how we're teaching it and helping other people to live these things as well. So Angelina, great. Thank you for all this information. Uh, all the research that you've done on it. I have a quick question for you, both as a parent and as an educator. Um, what is your greatest go-to strategy? Is here's how I feel I either help myself or the kids that I'm raising. What would you say are your go-to areas and areas of strength? I'd say the easiest one is a quick meditative practice. I really um, started exploring mindfulness and meditation. Uh, several years ago, far beyond before being a mother, and I find that if I can keep up even simple practice of that of five minutes a day, or when I need it, then I I can have clarity in so many aspects. Really, in all of the strengths, if I can focus on just that internal quiet meditative, be in the present moment with no judgment, and then how to react or move forward on the next step. I love it. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing you made me think of is um, I love this concept, and it's a very interesting concept when you think of it, that we are essentially a functional byproduct and aggregate of the three most important people in our lives, or three to five. But those typically tend to be a parent or family members, um, teachers, or coaches. And every day, we are, as kids grow up, they are, they're in touch with those people. They have access to those people. They interact with those people. And if we are having that impact on them, we want to be having the most favorable impact that we can have. So if we're mindful and we are living what we're hoping they are going to be living, that is our way of making sure that we are being our best selves in order to be the best selves of the people that we are integral in their lives for. So absolutely great. Yeah, the modeling. I mean, really, it's really these modeling all seven of these and help helping to teach all seven of these mm-hmm. to anybody is really the greatest gift you could ever give a person. Exactly. Yourself. And if we're not modeling it, it doesn't even matter what we're saying, right? right. As an educator. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Well, absolutely just great information today. And and I had made note too, I think two really big takeaways that we can take from this, whether we're dealing with children or we're thinking about ourselves or even just the way we interact with people. You know, number one, be an example. If if you want to see more empathy, be the empathetic one. And then number two, don't be afraid to talk about it. And don't be afraid to make it a topic of conversation, whether it be with little ones or it be with other people in your life. Have these conversations. Start to dig into some of this so that we can spread you know, some of, some of these great practices, you know, to those around us. So I can't thank you guys enough for being here today. Charles, did you have something else you wanted I to add? I did. It's, what you said was so great, Lynn. I got to I got to tag in on one thing there and double click is the re the other reason I, I wanted to add a little bit of this in a, a wrap up anyway, and, and also thank Angelina, but here's why what you just said is so key. Everything we've been talking about is hopefully great stuff, right? But the autopilot of life doesn't want us to do this. The autopilot of life tells us we're too busy to do this. The autopilot of life says, you got to do this, this, and this. They'll learn this stuff. They'll get it all from their friends anyway. And the research tells us they want to learn from us. They're going to learn certain things from their friends, but they want it to be from these people. They want our parents to have enough time with us. There's a phrase which is, how does a kid spell love? T-I-M-E. The time that we give and that we have with our kids, if we're not doing these intentional things, the autopilot of life just means it doesn't happen and we hope for the end to turn out well. Well, we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, So there's something someone said about this book was people say, I wish kids would come with a manual. Well, if you read this book, now it does, right? So we have that, We, we know what we can do. We have to make sure we're doing it. 
and not let the autopilot of life get in the way of it. Uh, last thing I want to say is, Angelina, I always say these programs are about hoping that everybody who is able to log on and join us today or anybody who gets to watch it after it gets a couple things, a, a beaming ray of sunshine and a blast of psychological oxygen. And you are able to bring that today for everybody. So thank you for doing that. You always are that anyway, but thank you for bringing that today. Great that you are here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You bet, you bet. So thank you everyone. Linda, you want wrap final thoughts? We good? Yeah, we are, we are finished for today. We're out of time, but thanks to everyone for joining us. Angelina, just fantastic, um, inspirational things for all of us to think about. I think we're all going to take pieces of that and, and carry it forward and, and spread it hopefully to others in our lives. So thank you for, for sharing your time with us. Again, if you want to learn a little bit more about Angelina and her business, you can go to beyondabc.co and learn more there. And Charles, again, thanks to you for always adding so much to these segments. And I hope everybody has a great rest of the day. Yeah. Thank you, everyone.